here to the pulpit that I'd forget to turn that mic on. Uh, you know, that's the, uh, that is exactly the person that I, I wish that I would be, right? Uh, Brother Don was speaking the other day in, in one of his lessons, and if you're not making it to Sunday school, right, um, Brother Don's putting good time into Sunday school lessons, and it's good material. Y'all come on to Sunday school. Uh, and if you don't feel comfortable in a Sunday school that's uh, there for adults, then come talk to your preacher about, you know, build, uh, building another class. But you were uh, talking uh, the other day uh, in one of your lessons, and you were describing how that we ministered from overflow, how that if we were going to be anything as a congregation or as people, that we had to have a relationship with Jesus Christ that filled our life up, and that it uh, just so much uh, so that it was like a pitcher getting full, 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 full. And then the ministry overflowed out of our lives as if the pitcher had gotten too full. And that, that, that just, you know, really uh, struck a, a chord with me when you said that. But as you were talking about that, I was uh, uh, thinking about some other scriptures, you know, talking about uh, how we are full and how... Uh, things are used, and I remembered one from uh, Paul, and, and this song here uh, talked about it, how it, he described his life as a pitcher that was being poured out into the world, and that he was going to be used up to the very, very last drop. And I, I want to be one that, you know, abandons my life to the cause of Christ and is poured out to the very last drop uh, for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I hope that that's your desire as well. To open your Bibles with me this morning to 2 Kings 17. 2 Kings 17, we're going to begin reading in verse number 1. Uh, we're not going to do the whole chapter uh, this. Oh, wow. My wife just gave me one of them dirty looks, uh, Brother Robin. You know, one of those you done messed up kind of looks. Okay. My pulpit notes say 2 Kings. When I look at the passage right here, I'm pretty sure we're going to be in 2 Kings, and I know that the PowerPoint doesn't say 2 Kings, but y'all go to open your Bibles to 2 Kings with me. Uh, if you have your cell phones with you this morning, let's go ahead and let's uh, do as I do, and let's go ahead and, uh, and put them on mute or, or on vibrate. And you may have to turn my gain down just a little bit, Sister Lisa, as we prepare to read the scriptures so that I don't kind of blare, and uh, hopefully it'll be loud enough. We do have a new mic uh, this morning. Uh, Brother Devin's doing a good job of continuing to develop our sound system, and uh, I like this one, Sister Margaret, a lot better than I did the one that was on the on the tie. Uh, it does seem to pick up a little smoother. In 2 Kings chapter 17, we're going to look at the three punctuations for your multiple choice life today. Uh, I thought that we're getting close to the end of uh, the school year. Our teachers are just happy to be getting off for the summer. Our students are... And that right, Silas, we're just happy to get ready to, to go off for, uh, <laughs> for the summer. And, uh, you know, the summer is a great uh, time. It's a great time of ministry. It's a great time to be the people that God wants us to be. And what I want to talk about today is the three kind of punctuations that you can be in your multiple choice life. We, we all have so much going on. Me and Sister Becky were talking about that uh, this week, that, you know, it was like one thing on the schedule after another thing on the schedule. We just go, 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 and go. And so we have so many choices about what we're going to do, where we're going to go, and what we're going to be. And as we look at the three punctuations for your multiple choice life in Second Kings 17, uh, I hope that God uh, works in your heart 
and does, uh, like he has already done with me, ask you uh, to make some choices for him. We're going to begin in verse number 1. It says, In the twelfth year of Ahaz, king of Judah, began Hoshea, the son of Elah, to reign in Samaria over Israel for nine years. That's just a summary statement. It gets into a little more detail from there. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, but not as the kings of Israel that were before him. In other words, he was just not the worst of them. In verse number 3, Against him came up Shalmaneser, king of Assyria, and Hoshea became his servant and gave him presents. And the king of Assyria found conspiracy. Uh, some of the translations that you're using out there say treachery in Hosea. So the king of Assyria found conspiracy in Hosea, for he had sent messengers to sow the king of Egypt. Uh, this is kind of interesting when you read this passage. One of the things that Becky and I noticed when we moved down here to this particular area is y'all have streets like this way and that way. And this king's name is So. And I was like, wow, okay. So he, the king of Assyria found conspiracy in Hoshea, for he had sent messengers to So, the king of Egypt, and he brought no present to the king of Assyria as he had done year by year. And therefore the king of Assyria shut him up and bound him in prison. And then the king of Assyria came up throughout all of the land and went up to Samaria, that's where Hoshea was ruling, the capital of the northern kingdoms of Israel. He went to Samaria, he besieged it for three years. Now, can you imagine not being able to get out of Richwood or wherever you happen to live for, for three years? You can't get out past the city limits. You know, nothing can come into you. Groceries can't come in. Uh, you know, uh, all the nice things alive. Think about no soap coming in for three years, right? I mean, this is, is not a good situation. And in the ninth year of Hoshea, verse number six, the king of Assyria took Samaria, and he carried Israel away into Assyria. He placed them in Hala, in Habor by the river of Gozan, and in the city of the Medes. For so it was that the children of Israel had sinned against the Lord their God, which had brought them up out of the land of Egypt from under the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And they had feared other gods. And they walked in the statutes of the heathen, whom the Lord had cast out from before the children of Israel, and of the kings of Israel which they had made. And look at verse number 9. The children of Israel, they did secretly those things that were not right against the Lord their God. They built them high places in all of their cities from the tower of the watchman to the fence city and they set them up images and groves in every high hill and under every green tree and there they burn incense in all of the high places secretly now as did the heathen whom the Lord carried away before them. And they wrought wicked things to provoke the Lord to anger, for they served idols whereof the Lord had said unto them, You shall not do this thing. And yet the Lord testified against Israel and against Judah by all of the prophets and by all of the seers, saying, Turn from your evil ways and keep my commandments and my statutes according to all of the law which I commanded your fathers and which I sent to you by the servants, the prophets, and notwithstanding they would not hear, but they hardened their necks like to the necks of their fathers that did not believe in the Lord their God, and they rejected his statutes 
and his covenant that he'd made with their fathers and his testimonies which he testified against them and they followed vanity and became vain you know in one of the translations it says they followed false gods and they became false and they went after the heathen that were round about them concerning whom the Lord had charged them that they should not do like them let's go to the Lord in prayer our father God we just come before you this morning and we just praise you as our God we praise you as king we thank you so much for creating us we thank you that you leave us here to continue uh, working for you Uh, Lord, we thank you that you have purpose in our life, and we thank you that you've given us a job to do. We praise you because you uh, put the stars into place. You know each one of them by name. We praise you because you are uh, the God who knows the very thoughts of every one of the seven uh, point some odd billion on this planet. And Lord, we just love you because you're great, and you're powerful, and you're mighty, you're just. We just love you so much because you sent your son Jesus to die for our sins on the cross of Calvary. We thank you, Lord, that we don't uh, serve you as a dead Savior, but that we uh, know that you intercede for us with the Father each and every day. And, Lord, I just pray that you just uh, send the Holy Spirit among us this morning, that you'd help us each to be mindful of the things that we need to do in our individual lives. I just pray, Lord, that you'd just forgive me of my sins and my shortcomings, the things that you know that I do that are habitual, you know the things that I struggle with. And I thank you, Lord, that you are able to forgive them and will. I just pray that you would in Jesus' name. I just pray, Lord, over each family that's here. You know the ones that have lost loved ones recently. You know the ones that even this week were uh, in memorial services to uh, those lost uh, ones. And, Lord, I just pray that you would uh, just comfort their hearts. We pray especially this morning over our neighbors in Santa Fe. We just pray, Lord, that you would uh, begin even now to uh, heal in that situation. We just pray over each family. We just pray over the children that will be affected for the rest of their lives. And we ask, Lord, that your will would be done. We pray that you would be glorified in it, that people would come to know you better or come to know you at all in a personal relationship because that incident happened. And, Lord, we just uh, thank you for our sister churches that responded to that situation. And, Lord, I just pray this morning as we gather as a congregation that we keep you first and foremost in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, I was at the uh, uh, memorial, so well, the prayer vigil the other night at Alvin Missionary Baptist Church for the victims and the various individuals that were involved in the incident at Santa Fe this week. And uh, I was was impressed, I suppose, is the best way to put it, Brother Joe, when Brother Justin began to speak from the pulpit regarding uh, the perpetrator of that incident and he, t- he talked about how that he was torn as a person because uh, we want justice done for a tragedy that's happened and yet we know that God himself will have mercy on any individual that will repent of their sins and turn to him and so it's just so difficult for us to understand how God can be so good to something that is so ugly or how that God's will can be worked out in situations that are like that or that are similar. And we look at that particular individual and we have a hardness in our hearts and we have a, 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 a real, uh, I don't even know how to 
describe the feeling, Brother Buster, you know, uh, I asked Becky about the picture of that particular individual, and, and she said he looks troubled. You can just see even in his eyes and in his uh, demeanor that he is uh, troubled at its very core. And yet the reality is we look at the three punctuations uh, uh, of our multiple choice life. And, and didn't he have a multitude of choices that he could have uh, made even the other morning? As we look at those, the, the first uh, ten punctuation is that your natural tendency is to be a cheater. Your natural tendency is to be a cheater. The, the fact of the matter is that, that we like to place people like him into categories. We like to, to say, well, he's different than me. But the reality is, is that we are all human beings. No, no matter how young we are, no matter how old we are, no matter what our life situation is, no matter whether we are, are male or female, we are human beings, and that means that we have at our very core a sin nature that is deceptive, that is, is wicked, that, that still misses the mark of the standard of Almighty God. And so the reality is, is that there is not much difference between him and I, that I could have been him. You see, Hosea, as he uh, came to the throne of Israel, as we look at the first few verses of, of this chapter, in the twelfth year of Ahaz, king of Judah, began Hosea, the son of Elah, to reign in Samaria over Israel for nine years. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, but not as the kings of Israel that were before him. You see, 19 kings had reigned in Israel from the time of Jeroboam that we talked about last week until this time. Each one of them got progressively worse and worse and worse and worse. The first one set up idol gods in Dan and in Bethel. And then as the generations begin to tick off, more and more stuff begins to come into the worship of those people. Now, they never forgot God. We'll talk about that uh, later on uh, tonight, right? We're going to finish this chapter this evening. We're going to talk about the lions and the beginnings of the people of Samaria and how they were eaten alive because they did not fear God. And so these people in these early generations, yes, they had idols. Yes, they were twisted in some little way. Yes, they did things that were in secret and not ethical, but they still knew God to some extent. Now what's interesting to me, Brother Daryl, is that as you go generation to generation to generation, it just got worse and it got worse and it got worse. Their nature put them in a bent to sin. And then as their parents failed to raise, I think that's the best way to put it, right? Failed to teach them complete truth. Generation after generation after generation got to a place where they failed to even know the truth at all. But we have to go with an exclamation point that we are the product of generations upon generations upon generations even here in America. 
where, where we are the ones who, who are deceivers at our heart. Remember that God in the Old Testament, he would even talk about his chosen people, Israel, and he said, children of Jacob. Jacob, the deceiver, the trickster, because deep in our hearts, we are those people. And the only reason that we're not is if we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's so easy for us as we look at the three punctuation. Our, our natural tendency is to, to be a cheater. You see, Hoshea, he, he had been placed into a specific place of leadership in his generation. And, and that specific place of leadership was as the king of Israel. And Israel was a vassal nation. They were a subject nation to Assyria. And so Hoshea didn't have a kingdom of his own. It was a kingdom under the rule of Assyria. And Hosea had a place that God had assigned him, just like you and I have a place where God assigns us. He had a, a heritage that he didn't necessarily choose. And look at the kind of person that we find him to be. The king of Assyria, in verse number 4, found conspiracy in Hosea. For he had sent messengers to sow the king of Egypt, and he brought no present to the king of Assyria as he had done year by year. And, and, and this is just the same as us. How many times do we, uh, as a member of a local New Testament church, we find ourselves year in and year out in the place that God placed us in? And it's not the place that we necessarily want to be. Right now, Becky and I, I'm just going to say something, and I want you to make sure that there's no misunderstandings here, okay? Becky absolutely loves a blended contemporary service, okay? Now, if Becky had her choice about it, right, Brother Don? She would, she would go to church every week, okay? She, she would stand on every song, okay? She she would uh, she would almost uh, you know get excited a little bit right because she loves God and she wants a a joyful service. But you know Becky and I we were planted in a church several years back where they didn't even want to have a special that uh, or a message and song that that was contemporary at all. It wasn't a place where we really enjoyed where God put us but it was so obvious that God had placed us there and that he had a specific job for us to do several months after we had been there we uh, began to complain about the lack of contemporary music in the service and how we missed the place where he we had been and how we missed some of the joy of of worship that we had just like Hoshea, we begin to understand ourselves to be cheaters. With the same nature that Hoshea had, that same sin nature as the, the guy that shot up Santa Fe. It's the same sin nature. God has a place for you, a job for you, a relationship that he wants with you. And the fact of the matter is, is that we all are cheaters in our heart. We cheat God. 
when we don't do what he asks us to do. We cheat God when we're unfaithful in his service. Hosea had a choice as an individual to remain doing the things that God wanted him to do in the place that God had asked him to be. But he sent messengers to sow, and he flirted with the enemy. Well, the king Shalmaneser, the Assyrian, he didn't have a choice but to do what God does to us. It says in verse number 4, Therefore the king of Assyria shut him up and bound him in prison. The king of Assyria came throughout all of the land, went up to Samaria, and he besieged it for three years. And in the ninth year of Hosea, the king of Israel took Samaria. He carried Israel away into Assyria. He placed them in Hala and in Horbor by the river of Gozen in the city of Medes. And you know, God just doesn't have a choice sometimes with us too. When we fall prey to our own cheating heart, we don't do the things that God asks us to do. Why do you think so many doors of so many churches in Texas have closed over the years? Do you think that it's because Satan was too strong? Is it because the evil day of our society overwhelmed them? No, absolutely not. Those doors closed because someone, some individual made choices to follow their cheating heart and to not be faithful to God, to not do the things that God asked them to do, or even to not be joyful in service where God asked us to be joyful in service. As we look at the second punctuation of our multiple choice life, as, as we're faced with the many things that we can do or not do in God's service, we find that you need to uncover your secret sin. It says in verse number 7, And for so it was that the children of Israel had sinned against the Lord their God. He took them out of the land because of their sin, which had been brought up them up out of the land of Egypt from under the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and had feared other gods. They walked in the statutes of the heathen whom the Lord cast out from before the children of Israel and of the kings of Israel which they had made. The children of Israel did secretly those things that were not right against the Lord their God. And they built them high places in all of their cities from the tower of the watchmen to the fence city. They set them up images and groves in every high hill and under every green tree. And there they burn incense in all of the high places as did the heathen whom the Lord carried away before them. They were all wicked things to provoke the Lord to anger. For they served idols whereof the Lord had said to them, You shall not do this thing. You know, in our own life, as we look at different people, whether it's the shooter at Santa Fe, or whether it's the children of Israel in an Old Testament setting like this, it's easy for us to go, well, he did, she did, they did. But the reality of the matter is that we each and every one have our secret sins. Now, when we talk secret sins, we think of the worst, right? We think of the, the husband that's in the middle of the night on the computer watching pornography. We think of the wife that's cheating on her husband. We think of, uh, of the woman that left a baby in a bathroom. We think of the idolaters across the sea. The ones with the images. But folks, 
we're the ones that, you know, cuss under our breath. Preacher cuss, I call it, Brother Buster. You know, you, you don't, you know, it's not the words, but it, it's the same attitude, right? And it just spills out of you. It spills out of that overflow of a life that's not committed to, to God. And folks, my son reminded me of a scripture yesterday in the New Testament in the book of Luke where Jesus told us that all things would come to light. You remember the passage that we looked at here a couple of weeks ago where it said that some men's sins become open now and some men's sins follow them to the judgment. But all things come out before Almighty God and each and every one of us have things that others don't know. Sometimes even our own spouses, our own mothers, our own fathers. And when we look at the punctuation of our multiple choice life, we know where the period is. Right? A period is a declaration mark. It says, I am this. This is truth. This is who I am. And as your pastor, I can't identify for you. I hope I can't identify for you the sin in your life that you're struggling with. You know, if, if I come, to, if I come to, to Kaylee and I say, well, this is your problem. I don't, can you tell what Kaylee's thinking? On any particular, I can't tell what Sister Carrie's thinking this morning, right? She might have she might have cussed me while I was back there messing with her sound. And we each have things that are in our heart that are periods, right? I will not love that person. I'm just not gonna do this. I don't care what he thinks. I don't care if she's hurt. And we have so many of these things that are in our mind, aren't they? They're back there and, and they never see the light of day. But they are the periods of our life. They are who we are. They are our secret and our pet sins. And so as we look at the three punctuations of your multiple choice life, as we're faced with the many myriads of life's choices about who we will be and how we will be, we have to remember that our natural tendency is to be a cheater, that you need to uncover your secret sin. God wants you to uncover your secret sin. You are a light that is under a bushel when you have secret sin in your life. When we are a church that has secret sin among us, we are not that city that's set on a hill. We are down in the valley. And God may have to leave us down on a valley because he just doesn't want others to see who we are and what we are. And so we have to make a choice about whether we will uncover the periods of our life, our secret sin. Thirdly, lastly this morning, I want you to look at verse number 15 with me. If you're taking notes today, the blank is true slash false. Now remember, there's three kinds of choices in school. You can either have multiple choice tests. A, B, C, and D. You can have a true fault. 
test or what other kind of test do we have? One of our students out there tell me, what other kind of test do we have? We have multiple choice, we have true, false, and fill in the blank. Fill in the blank. Are you true, false, or multiple choice? I want you to look at verse number 15 with me. They rejected his statutes. They rejected his covenant that he'd made with their fathers. They rejected his testimonies which he had testified against them. And they followed vanity. You may remember from Ecclesiastes that vanity is emptiness. And so they followed emptiness and they became vain or empty. And they went after the heathen that were round about them concerning whom the Lord had charged them that they should not do like them. I I want you to remember that Israel had always been unfaithful secretly. They had high places, pillars, poles, offerings. They served idols. And, And God warned them over and over again about these things. It wasn't just one preacher. It just wasn't one individual. How many of us have said, I mean, I'm, I'm going to ask you to just show your hand real quick. How many of you have sat under more than one pastor in your life? Almost everybody in this congregation. How many of them never told you about your need for a relationship with Jesus Christ? Not a hand. How many of them failed on a regular basis to talk about sin? I didn't see a hand. And so your life and my life are the same apparently. That we have come time after time as we look at the multiple choices that we have and we stood underneath God's men who said thou shalt not. And thus saith the Lord. And so says the scripture. And yet lots of us aren't spring chickens anymore. And we still are dealing with the secret sins in our life. And we still know ourselves not to be conformed to the image of his son. And we know that we're cheaters against God deep down inside. And he asks us like he asked Israel. Are you going to be true? Are you going to be false? Are you just going to be wishy-washy and be multiple choice? And, and the reality of the matter is that in spite of all of these outward things that Israel had wrong, when we look at the scriptures, God called them out for one thing in particular that surprises me. Look at verse Number 15. It says they rejected his statutes. His covenant. His testimonies. They followed vanity. And they went after. The heathen. That were round about them. Look at verse number 14. Right up above it. Because 15 is just a summer or a detail. Of their issue. 
notwithstanding, they would not hear, but they hardened their necks like to the necks of their fathers that did not believe in the Lord their God. You know, a hardening of a neck is like this. It's when you got a big dog. Some of you might have big dogs. I used to have big dogs. I like big dogs. I like lots of things that are big, even big trucks, right? It's like when you have a big dog and he hasn't been properly trained. Big dogs are strong. They're headstrong. They're heartstrong. And they're physically strong. And you're walking the dog and you got him on a leash. Maybe he's an aggressive dog. Maybe he hadn't been socialized right. And when you walk him down the street, he has lots of multiple choices. And as you walk along, things are just fine. He's tugging just a little bit. You might jerk that collar just a little bit and let him know who's boss. But let another dog come down the street. Let another one that he's got some aggression towards. Another one that he wants to go see. Let that come onto the street. Some of you that have big dogs, you know what happens there. All of a sudden that slack leash goes tight. And if you aren't really solid on your feet, you're going where he wants to go. As he fills in the blank about where you're going to be. He is stiff-necked. As you try to pull back and you try to change his direction, as you do all of the things that you know to do to prevent an incident from happening, his neck goes hard. Have you ever reached down there and, and felt that neck on that dog? And it's just so stiff-necked, stubborn. And folks, as we look at the punctuations of our life and with exclamation we say I'm a cheater and we look at the secret sins of our life and say really that needs to stop period then we come to the question that God asks each and every one of us are you going to be true are you going to be false are you just going to be multiple choice you know, there is a choice that we can make as lost individuals that don't know Jesus as their personal Savior. We can make a, a choice to have a relationship with our Creator. We can make a choice to receive Jesus as our Savior. We can make a choice to repent of our sins and have an eternal relationship with God Almighty that created the universe. But we are faced with choices even when we're saved about how we will serve, about who we will interact with, about where we will go, about what we will do inside of our families, inside of our churches, inside of our communities. But Don, as we begin to prepare for an invitation, I don't want to be a church that's hidden because God doesn't want us 
to be out there because of what we are and the choices that we we make. I, I don't want him to look at us as a congregation and say, well, those folks, you know, they don't really have me as their focus. They got lots of other gods in their life and lots of other gods in their churches, lots of other gods that they're serving. I I don't want him to to look at us as a congregation and go, well, there's sin in that bunch. I can't be in that camp because they won't deal with their own individual issues in their own individual lives. And I don't want us to be a multiple choice, fill in any old blank kind of church. I want us to be a true church, not a false church. I want us to always be about the scripture. I always want us to be about lost souls. I always want us to be about the joy that Jesus brings in our life when we just even say his name. That's the kind of church I want us to be, but that's up to us as individuals. And so as we have an invitation this morning, We are a congregation, but it's individual choices in our life. And so let's do some business with God this morning.